Hey, good morning, everybody. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, in just a minute, we're going to read verses 6 through 11. But uh, hey, before I jump in, just a couple of things. One, this morning we're continuing our series uh, uh, in Lent. So we are in week five of our Lenten series. If you've missed anything, you can go to our website and check that out. And in particular, this morning, I want you to know that I am going to be talking specifically to people who are already following Jesus. And so if you're maybe in the room and you're not sure about your faith or, or you're watching online and you're just checking us out for the first time and you would not call yourself a Christian, my hope is that through what we talk about today, you'll get a better understanding of who Jesus' people are supposed to be, who we are called to be in this world. And so I'm thrilled that you're with us. And before I jump in, I just have to give you a hearty congratulations because the rain cannot stop you this morning. I'm proud of you. You are here. And for your willingness to come out, we also, we have a volleyball court outside. And what you need to know is that y'all right beside the volleyball court, now we have a swimming pool so you can swim when you leave. The other thing I do want you to know, I got I to just call attention to this. I'm walking down from my office, and so I have to walk. I've got an umbrella, and lightning strikes as I am making my way down. And this is a little bit of a scary situation, right? And so as I'm beginning to pick up my pace a little bit, another person walking beside me who has an umbrella said, Will, slow down. And I said, I don't want to slow down because I don't want to get struck by lightning. And he says to me, Will, if you are walking to a worship service on a church campus and you get struck by lightning, that's like having a fast pass at Six Flags. You get to go to the front of the line when you get to heaven. And so, y'all, walk, walk fast. Don't listen to him. Walk fast when you get out of here this morning, y'all, please. All right, we're going to turn our attention now and focus on this uh, good word that God gives to us. And so I want you to listen and follow along on the screen as I read to us now from Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 11. Here's what Paul has to say. Focus the mind on the flesh and you'll die, but focus it on the spirit and you'll have life and peace. The mind focused on the flesh, you see, is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. In fact, it can't. Those who are determined by the flesh can't please God. 
But you're not people of the flesh. You're people of the Spirit, if indeed God's Spirit lives within you. Note that anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of the Messiah doesn't belong to Him. But if the Messiah is in you, the body is indeed dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of covenant justice. So then, if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, the one who raised the Messiah from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies too through His Spirit who lives within you. We're going to get into that more in just a few minutes. But y'all, I got to begin by letting you know that I am someone who believes words matter. I believe that words matter. One of a a famous uh, philosopher, a guy named George Lakoff, said once that words can create worlds. And I believe that that is true. And as somebody who takes words seriously, there are certain phrases that y'all, I'm just going to be honest with you, they get under my skin a little bit. There are certain phrases that when they are spoken into existence, they just make my skin crawl. And as I was getting ready for my sermon this week, I started to do a little exploration on some of these phrases that just get under my skin. And, And as it turns out, these phrases not only get under under my skin, but they get under the skin of a whole lot of people. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give us a couple of phrases that I want us to erase from our vocabulary, okay? Because according to Reader's Digest, two of the most hated phrases in 2022, let me give you the first one, it is you do you. Hey, you do you. You heard that one before? Don't ever say it again, okay? Just stop with that one. But the most hated phrase of all in the in United States in 2022, y'all, it was, it is what it is. Have you heard anyone say that? Hey, listen, I don't want to rag on you if you do say that, but just like do us a favor. Stop, okay? It is what it is. Just let that one go, okay? It, it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And y'all, there are multiple other phrases. But I want to tell you this morning, there is in fact not a Reader's Digest version, but for me, there is one phrase that when I hear people say it, and in particular, I hear Christians say it all the time. And when I hear it, I got to tell you, it just rubs me the wrong way because it hits against all of the things that I believe to be true about who God God has called us to be. And so the phrase that I think above all others, I just want to say, hey, can we stop with this already? Is this one. I'm only human. I'm only human. And when someone says that, it is always in the wake of their having made a mistake or having done something wrong. And so when that happens, people will most of the time pause for a moment and then go, well, I'm only human. And I tried to look up the origin of this phrase, and I ended up hearing that song, I'm only human after all. So you're going to be singing that all week long, okay? There you go. I'm only human. And here's the thing, y'all. If we want to take what, the, what Scripture says about us seriously, then we need to understand that that phrase, I'm only human, used in reference to talking about how broken we are, how prone we are to make mistakes, guys, it's not acceptable. It's not appropriate. Because if we want to understand the nature of the human condition, we we don't need to look at catchphrases, we don't need to look at popular culture, but instead we need to have a theological anthropology. We need to understand who human beings are in the light of who God has created us to be. And so what I want to do for just a moment this morning is to think about that question with a little bit of depth. Because in the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, we read the story, and and even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably heard it, that in the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God creates everything. And each step along the way, what God does is He creates, and He rests, and He looks at what He has created, and He declares that it is good. 
And then there is this moment in Scripture where at the very beginning, when God has created everything that there would be, He's created His creation, and He needs someone to look after what He has created. He needs someone to be His ambassadors out into the world. And so the story in Genesis 1 and in Genesis 2 says that God created human beings in God's image to be God's people out into the world. And to be a human being is to bear the divine image. God created us in God's image so that we could go out and do these incredible things in the world. And so, guys, when I hear people say, I'm only human, as though that is a default position to then go, well, it's acceptable and, and it's entirely normal to mess up. What I want to say to them is that you are missing a fundamental concept within the Christian identity, that to be a human being is to be created in the image of God. You have the divine spark within you. And we're going to get to sin in just a few moments. But one of my favorite writers is a guy named Richard Rohr. And I don't agree with Richard on everything, but he's got this beautiful line where he says that before there was original sin, there was original blessing. And God looks at what he has created in you and he says it is good. So go out into the world and be my representative, showing creation what it looks like when God is in control and when God is running everything. So to be a human fundamentally is a good thing. But let's make no mistake about it. Let's make no mistake about it. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of thought to look at the variety of ways that the human condition is not what God has intended for it to be. All you have to do is cut on the news for just a moment, and you see a war that is ongoing in Ukraine and thousands upon thousands of people who are dying in this bloody, senseless conflict. All you have to do is cut on the television or read the newspaper and read a story about Silicon Valley Bank, which through its greed and through its selfishness creates loss for millions of people and the stock market and our economy is left teetering on the brink. Things are not as they were intended to be. And so to be a human being, right, is in fact a good thing. But when you read through Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he actually does a really beautiful job of explaining to us what went wrong with humanity. As I said, some of you are here this morning and you maybe have written off church a long time ago. You're checking it out for the first time. Uh, Paul, who's one of the earliest followers of Jesus, he wrote this book. He wrote a letter. It's actually a letter. It's 16 chapters long and he wrote it to a church at Rome. Now you got to remember, Rome was the biggest city in the biggest empire in the whole of the world. And he's writing writing this letter to the church at Rome, and he, it is a very pastoral letter. It's a very practical letter. But what Paul does in the course of these 16 chapters is he lays out a vision of who God is. And God is this beautiful, graceful, loving, and kind Father. But what Paul also does in the book of Romans is he lays out for us the human condition. He lays out for us, if this is who God is, then who are we as human beings? And what Paul says in, in Romans is that we were intended, God created us to be his good and wise stewards in the world. Again, what I said earlier, we're created in the divine image. But, but at the very beginning of Romans, Paul lays out for us the ways in which things have gone wrong. That human beings 
have decided to worship things other than God. They've worshiped the creation, and that has led to all sorts of disillusion and brokenness in humanity. And so one of the fundamental things that Paul says about human beings is that, yes, we in fact are sinful. In one of the most famous verses in the whole of Christianity, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, here's what Paul has to say. For all have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we are intended to be God's wise stewards in the world, created in the divine image. But through our own decisions, through the brokenness of our own lives, all, and that Greek word, I talked about it a few weeks ago, the Greek word, all, revolutionary concept. You know what it means? All. And so while we, we as Christians, we always want to look at everybody else and say, well, look what those people are doing. Look what those people are doing. And aren't we righteous and aren't we good? But the fact of the matter is, Paul says, no, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so, y'all, before we move on into the next section of where I want us to go this morning, there is a recognition that, yes, God created us to be his wise stewards in the world, but in our current state without Christ, we are broken, we are sinful, and we are on a road to destruction. That's what Paul says loud and clear. And so, if we only read Romans chapter 3, which is what a majority of church, not maybe not a majority, but what a lot of churches want to do is talk to you only about your sinfulness, only about your brokenness. And if that's what we do, if Romans chapter 3 is where we stop the conversation, well, then the fact of the matter is it would be appropriate to say, I'm only human after all, and the nature of the human condition is brokenness. But thanks be to God Thanks be to God that in his goodness and in his glory, he says that he's not going to leave us in that state. But God in his infinite goodness, go and read Romans. What you will see is that he sends Jesus. He sends his son who in fact, if you want to know what the full nature of humanity is called to be, if you want to know the full potential of a human being, do you know who, need, who you need to look at? You need to look at Jesus because Jesus shows us what humanity is capable of being. And he lives this incredibly beautiful life. And he gives us the most wonderful teaching that you could ever possibly hear. And even more than that, what Jesus does is he goes throughout Jerusalem and the Galilee and he brings the kingdom of God into existence. He brings life where there is death. He brings joy where there is sorrow. And he shows us what, human, what humanity is actually capable of doing. And if I stop there, wonderful. But in the goodness and in the grace of God, Jesus doesn't just stop there. But knowing that in order for sin to be remedied and the brokenness of the human condition to be taken care of once and for all, what we know as followers of Christ is that Jesus goes to the cross for us. And he dies on a cross on Good Friday. And death is defeated. And love conquers hate. And on the third day, what we will proclaim in a few weeks is that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And when Christ emerges from the tomb on Easter Sunday, y'all, not only are sins forgiven, but what we believe is that new creation has launched into the midst of this old world of death and decay. And God's original plan for his good creation is now back on the track it was intended to be on. 
And you've probably heard that at some point as you've gone throughout your church life, that you are sinful, but thanks be to God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that's kind of the standard issue stuff, right? But what I want us to focus on this morning is that Paul doesn't stop just there either. That when you move on forward and we want to talk about what it means to be truly, fully human and alive, then we need to go and read Romans chapter 8, verse 11, what I read to us just a few moments ago. And y'all, please, please pay attention to what I'm about to read. Because if you only hear me say one thing this morning, I hope that you can hear me say this thing that Paul wrote because it is applicable for the lives that we live. And while culture wants to say, I'm only human, and that's an excuse to live into your failures and your faults, what Paul says is when we put our faith in Jesus, something begins to happen. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, here's what he says. So then, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, the one who raised the Messiah from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies too through his spirit that lives within you. Full stop. The same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. What Paul is saying is that very same spirit is now at work in our lives and through our lives. And because of what Christ has done, please, y'all listen to this loud and clear. Because of the work of Christ, human beings who call his name and call him Lord and Savior are now able to live into the fullness of what God intends for them to be. And that's the point. To be a human in the name of Jesus Christ is to live in a countercultural and in a different way. And that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 8. And there's that beautiful section that I read where he talks about, hey guys, you can focus your mind on the spirit or you can focus your mind on the flesh. Now he's talking specifically to people who follow Jesus. The spirit of God lives in you and through you. You can live in a countercultural and revolutionary way. Stop. And as a result of that, you get to focus your mind, Jesus people, on the things of the Spirit or on the things of the flesh. Now, I know we're getting a little bit technical here, but y'all, this is so worth it for us to do because we need to draw a distinction. When Paul uses language of spirit and of flesh, what we tend to do is we tend to think spirit is spiritual and flesh is bodily, physical, but please understand that Paul, when he writes this letter, and actually almost every reference when Paul uses this dichotomy of spirit and flesh, he does not mean, he categorically does not mean that spirit is spiritual elsewhere and flesh is bodily physical. So please, if you only hear me say that in this section, flesh does not equal physical. Flesh does not equal physical, but instead, flesh is actually, the, the, the dichotomy between spirit and flesh is more like two different ways of being in the world. If I can maybe give you a definition for flesh, here's what it is. Things that share in the corruptibility and in the rebellion of the world. So there is no dichotomy between spiritual on the one hand and flesh on the other, that this is uh, 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 something elsewhere and flesh is bodily. But listen, listen, y'all. Flesh and spirit are two different ways of being in the world. And Paul says that when you decide to follow Jesus, you 
Because the Spirit of God is at work in you and through you. You get to decide which way will you follow. Will you follow the fruit of the Spirit, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Or will you choose the works of the flesh? Jealousy, greed, anger, right? Listen, those are not physical things, and yet they are described as the works of the flesh. And y'all, listen, we as followers of Jesus, in contrast to the world around us that doesn't get to have a choice in what we will do, because the Spirit of God is at work in us and through us, we get to decide which way will we live. Will you focus your mind on the things of the flesh? I'm only human after all. Or will you focus your mind on the things of the Spirit and live into the fullness of what God intends for humanity to be in the first place? And sometimes those decisions are big and they are bold and they are evident before us, right? Will I be ethical in my decision-making? Will I be faithful in my relationships? Those are the big ones. But please understand, the choice between spirit and flesh, it manifests itself in the daily rhythms of life. And as followers of Jesus, we get to decide which way will we go, living into our humanity or deciding I'm only human after all. Yesterday, I was at Publix. And I don't know if you've ever been to Publix on a Saturday, but it's not a fun place to be, okay? Is not a fun place to be. And I go to Publix on Saturday, and I go to Publix because one, it is an incredible grocery store, but two, there are actual human beings there that I get to interact with. And so I'm going through Publix. If you ever want a pastoral counseling session, just come to Publix on a Friday or Saturday. You'll see me, okay? And I'm going down the aisles, and I'm getting all my stuff because they got everything I need. And then, y'all, I get to the checkout aisle. And as it turns out, I'm in a little bit of a hurry. But those other 15 people in line didn't know that. And neither did the two human beings who were at the checkout line. And so, y'all, I get in line, and I'm like, okay, this is going to go quick, right? I'm sure it's going to go quick. But then the girl in front of me, she's doing an Uber Eats checkout. And so she's not only checking out her groceries, but she's checking out 14 other people's groceries, right? And you see the little barrier being put up between every single one. And every moment that I see the next green barrier between her groceries and his groceries and her groceries, I get a little angrier, and I start thinking, this stupid lady, I can't believe she's doing this. They shouldn't allow this at Publix. And then finally, I'm like, okay, I'm getting out of this aisle. And I go get in line at the self-checkout. And then I've got a basket full of, a cart full of groceries, and I'm checking stuff out. And I start banging things on the aisle. Yo, this is not pretty, okay? And, and the woman comes up to me, this sweet lady from Publix, and she says, sir, uh, I know those bags are hard to open. And I said, ma'am, could you please tell your manager that the reason I shop at Publix is because I want to deal with a human being like you. And she said, yes, sir, I will do that, sir. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm hot. I'm hot. Okay. And then I get my groceries and I, you, you know, which way I'm choosing. And I walk out into the parking lot and I see a woman who I see literally all I see her every single time I'm at Publix. And she said, it's good to see you again. And I said, yeah, well, you don't want to go in there right now. And she said, why? And I said, let me tell you about what I just experienced. And I walk her through everything. And then this woman looks at me, this kind, gentle woman. And she says, Will, maybe they were on their lunch break. Will, maybe, maybe, maybe they're experiencing the same, short, the same sort of labor shortage that everyone else is experiencing. Will, don't forget that you get to show a little kindness in this world. 
And so I turned and I walked back into Publix and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry that I was mean to you. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. And I have a choice. Which way will I decide to go? Because the Spirit of God is at work in me and through me. And I can choose to live into the fullness of my humanity, the works of the Spirit, or I can choose to focus my mind on the things of the flesh. And ultimately, I get to decide. You see, y'all, we make this fundamental misconception about the Christian faith. For far too many people, what they believe is that you decide to follow Christ, right? I'm so excited. My two daughters, my nine-year-old, my seven-year-old, the 11 o'clock service, they're going to come down to the front and profess their faith in Jesus, y'all. I'm so excited about that. And, and for so many Christians, what they have been taught is that that's the most important moment, and then they wait to die so that they can go to heaven then. But that is a caricature of what the Christian faith promises us. Paul says that when you decide to follow Jesus, this is revolutionary stuff, y'all. That when you decide to follow Jesus Christ, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in your life. And we get to live in revolutionary, countercultural ways, even in the checkout line at Publix. And please understand that there is a significant difference. There's a huge difference between being forgiven and between being perfect. And you run that slide. That there's a significant difference between being perfect and between being forgiven. And there is a drastic choice in between those two poles. Will you choose to focus your mind on the things of the Spirit and live into the fullness of your humanity, or will you choose to focus your mind on the things of the flesh? I'm only human after all. Y'all, if you only hear me say one thing this morning, please hear me say this, that our faith in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, ideally it opens the door to living a life that is filled with the absolute goodness of God. Please hear me say that this morning. For those of you that are watching online and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, the promises of our faith is that you can live into the fullness of your humanity because of what he has done. Our faith in Jesus opens the door to live by focusing your mind on the things of the Spirit because the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your life and through your life. And so ultimately, y'all, before we come to the table in just a few moments and we take communion together, I need to ask you a question. And this question is maybe the defining question of your week. Here's what it is. Where is your mind focused? Where's your mind focused? Because you have an opportunity, friends, to live into the fullness of your humanity by focusing on the Spirit of God. Joy gentleness, kindness, compassion, self-control. Where is your mind focused? And today be honest and willing to confess that to God because wherever it is, the good news is that he is with you and he is for you. He is leading you into a new direction. Where is your mind focused today? And know, friends, that you have an opportunity through the grace of Jesus Christ to live into your full humanity. Where is your mind focused this morning? And thanks be to God that because of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done for us, 
Because what God is doing through us, the world gets to be a better place. And we know that to be true because of this act on Good Friday. Because he went to the cross for me and for you so that we can live and live well. And so friends, I want to invite you, all of you who are here this morning, who call Jesus Christ your Lord, who follow in his way, I want to invite you to the table. I want to invite you to take his body broken and his blood poured out. And so what I want to do now with that question on our mind, where is your mind focused? I want to give you an opportunity to focus it on Jesus this morning. And so friends, I want to pass on the tradition as it has come down to me and all those who have come before me, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples in an upper room and they shared this incredible meal together. And when the meal was over, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he, he held it up before his disciples and he said, this bread symbolizes the Passover that took Israel from slavery in Egypt into freedom on the other side of the river. And this bread now has new significance. It is my body which is broken for you that takes you from your brokenness into your new humanity. And so friends, this is the body of Christ which is broken for you. So take it and eat it. And afterwards, after he had done so with the, with the bread, then he took a cup and he held it up before his disciples. And he said to them that this cup is no longer about the blood of the lamb that was uh, put on the door at Passover, but now this blood takes on new significance, inviting you into fullness of life. Because Jesus said, this is my blood, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, leading you into wholeness and to restoration. And so my friends... This is the blood of Christ, which is shed for you. Take and drink. And the story says that after they shared this meal, that they sung a hymn and they went out from there. And so as I invite this, the band back onto the stage to come and lead us in worship, I want to ask you just a simple question. Where is your mind focused? And today you can focus it on Jesus. You can focus it on his goodness and be invited to live in a new and better way, fully into the humanity that God promised to you. So where is your mind focused? And today, may it be on Jesus. And as the band comes and prepares to sing and lead us in worship again, let's take a few moments now and let's pray together. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for this morning, for the opportunity to come and God, just be in your presence. And right now, Lord, for so many of us, we've been told a lie that to be human means to be fallen and to be broken. But God, as you in your glory and your majesty have shown us to be human is to bear the divine image. To be human is to have the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead now at work in our lives. So God, may your church be the best of the human condition out into the world. May we be your people so that all may come to know your goodness and glory. And for each one of my friends who is here in this space today, oh Lord, may they focus their lives on you. May their minds be focused on the things of the Spirit that lead us to life, that lead us to you, that lead us to our humanness. God, we ask that you continue to be with us as we worship you. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.